Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're in week two of a series that I started last week on prayer that I called Push. Pray until something happens. Come on, say push. push. Come on, everyone, not just the Valenzuelas, you guys are exempt. Say push. push. Come on, 1130, say push. push. All right, good, push. Pray until something happens. Last week I started a, a message, part one, of a message that I called Invading the Impossible. And so today is part two of that. I'll, I'll finish what we started last week. And we talked last week about how prayer, this is so important, you gotta you got get this. Prayer is the determining factor whether God's goodness is released in specific situations or whether the power of sin and Satan is permitted to prevail. Prayer is the determining factor, friends, of what happens in our world. John Wesley, the great man of God, said, God will do nothing on earth except in answer to believing prayer. Jack Hayford, one of my heroes, a great mentor, friend of ours, he wrote, prayer can change anything. The impossible doesn't exist. His is the power, ours is the prayer. Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. Prayer is invading the impossible. Prayer is invading the impossible. Let me say it a different way. If we don't, God won't. If we don't, God won't. In fact, I want you to say that, personalize that. Repeat after me, say, if I don't, God won't. That's, that's the whole premise of what we're talking about last week and today. And so I challenge us, I encourage us to, to intensify our prayer life. For some of us, that means just starting to pray, praying 15 minutes a day. That might feel like an eternity for some of us, but if you, you use the Lord's prayer as an outline like we're teaching, it'll go by pretty quick. Some of us do that easily, but whatever you're at in your prayer journey, your walk with God, intensify your prayer life in this season. Let's pray, because a praying church is a prevailing church. Come on, somebody say amen. A praying church is a prevailing church. And so we're gonna pray. In fact, if you have your Bible, would you, um, or even if you don't have a Bible, actually, let's all stand to our feet right now. I'd like to invite you for a moment. Let's all stand to our feet. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 11. Last week, we read from Matthew chapter six, from the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. He taught us about prayer and fasting. Today, we're gonna look at the parallel passage in Luke that includes the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus says some other things about prayer that are really important. And so, let's read this together. In fact, let's pray. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. Speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, teach us today. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 Now it came to pass, as he, referring to Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, and if you have New King James, you can read it from your Bible. Otherwise, look on the screen. Let's say this out loud. Pray this out loud together. Ready, begin. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'll pause just real quick comment. You may have noticed that this is slightly different in terms of some of the words from Matthew 6. I think that's quite simple. It's two different writers on two different occasions recording two different, uh, two different things. So don't get worried about that at all. Verse 5, and Jesus said to them, he said to them, listen to this story because we're going to come back to this when we conclude. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, this is referring to the man in the house, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. And then Jesus, listen to this, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Come on, church, say amen. Amen. And before you're seated, tell somebody next to you, say, you need to pray just to make it today. That's why you pray. Come on, tell somebody. And then you can be seated. MC Hammer. That's MC Hammer, the great theologian, MC Hammer, 1998. We need to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. <laughs> Seven prayer principles included in the Lord's Prayer that gives us a model or an outline of how to pray effectively, how to invade the impossible. And last week we covered the first three, and I'll give you the, the final four today. And let me just review very quickly. The first one we talked about last week is intimacy. Come close to God. Jesus said, pray our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, and Husbands are reminded us that communication creates intimacy. That's true in any relationship. And communication, which is what prayer is, creates intimacy in our relationship with the Lord. Number two is worship. Praise God's name. Hallowed or hallowed be your name. That means holy is your name. In the Old and the New Testament, there are a lot of different names that God uses to refer to himself. That's to give us a, a picture and insight into his character. But the point is that he deserves praise. And that is an important part of prayer. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, Psalm says. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And so we honor and we praise and we worship the Lord. Number three that we talked about last week, prayer principle, and the one that we've really focused on is rulership. Inviting God's rule. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is so important. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, those terms mean the exact same thing. The kingdom of God is both a present reality and a future hope. 
Sometimes when we hear kingdom of heaven, all we think about is when I die, for those of us who know the Lord, when I die and I enter into, a he into heaven. Friends, you, we will experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven then, but it is a present reality right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of God. It is his life, it is his love, it is his power, it is his presence, it is his goodness, it is his mercy, it is everything that, that he is and is in heaven invading earth's circumstances. And so the way that his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth is when it is invited through prayer. Everything in this prayer, the Lord's prayer that Jesus teaches us, it is not about the future, it's about the present, right here, right now. Jesus is basically teaching us to say, Father, we invite your ruling power to come in and overrule any and every circumstance that shouldn't be here, that your will would be done, that you would cast out anything that is in opposition to your will, right here and right now. I want you to ask yourself a question as you're listening today, what impossible situation are you facing right now? And if you ain't facing one, then thank God for that because it's probably sooner than later that you will be facing one. Maybe it's something, some diagnosis in your body the doctor says you have, you have this and so it's a health issue that you're facing, an impossible situation. In fact, I want, I want to invite you to pray with me right now for my good friend Robert McKnight. I just got a text this morning. He was an in a pretty serious accident yesterday and, is, and has some very severe issues in his spine right now. Would you agree with me in prayer? Let's pray for Robert right now. Father, we come in agreement right now. In Jesus' name, praying for Robert, God, in the hospital. Lord, let your healing power, let your healing presence fall upon him. Lord, literally from the top of his spine to the bottom of his spine, bring into alignment, God, everything that needs to be there. Fix and correct anything that is broken in Jesus' name. We pray against paralysis. We pray against anything that the doctors are assuming. We pray against, Lord, any lasting pain, any lasting consequences. We command and we speak healing right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that by your stripes, Robert is healed. We thank you for angels surrounding that room, for the peace of God coming upon him and his wife, Jeannie, and their kids right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Keep praying for Robert. Friends, maybe you're facing an impossible situation in your finances, in your marriage, with your children, maybe an addiction that you're struggling with. Invite God's ruling power to invade it and change it through prayer. Amen? Amen. 1130, come on, help me out, help me out. <sighs> Preaching three times in a row is no joke, by the way. It's not for the wimpy or faint of heart, but... I love you guys. Let me, let me give you the last few prayer principles of the Lord's Prayer. Seven principles to invading the impossible. Number four, number four is provision. Provision, which is asking God to care for your needs. Give us day by day, or give us today our daily bread. This is the dimension of prayer that most of us are familiar with. Even if you don't know Jesus, you probably know about this part of prayer. It's basically asking, Lord, help me. Lord, protect me. Lord, bless me, provide for me. And it certainly has to do, by the way, with our physical needs and our resources. In fact, you ought to pray very specifically for your finances. You ought to pray specifically for any part of your life. But friends, if you need increase in your finances, if you need, you know, 
$10,000 more a year to help provide for your family. You ought to pray about that. Lord, I pray that somehow that you would make a way for $10,000 increase. By the way, let me just say, if you ain't tithing, your prayer's not gonna do much. You don't have to amen me on that, but that's what the Bible says. God's blessing and provision, it all starts with first honoring him with the first 10%. Otherwise, you're on your own. You may or may not get a raise. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes, which is the first 10%. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Test me or try me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven, and I'll pour out so much blessing that you can't even contain it. So we ought, to, we ought to pray, but we need to honor the Lord too. Prayer includes any and every part of our lives, by the way. Friends, there is nothing too big or too small that you shouldn't pray about. I meet people sometimes. In fact, last night, last night I preached preach my heart out. You know, everything that you guys have heard in a few minutes more. And then we're going to do this as well. When I was done, I invited us. We split into prayer circles. We're praying for each other. I'm walking through the, the congregation after I just prayed or preached on this, and I hear a lady, I know who she is, and she says, I don't want to be selfish. Your, your prayers are more, you know, your prayer requests are more important than mine. I'm okay. She missed the whole point of my message. I was like, come on, what is, are you you're just kidding me? Listen, there is nothing too big or too small that you can't take to God in prayer, and he can handle everybody's prayer requests and needs at the same time. Look, if you're a man, you can do maybe one thing at a time fairly well. If you're a lady, you can do eight or 10 or 12 or 15. It's so annoying. Ladies are just better than men, let's be honest. Listen, there's like 7.8 billion people on this planet. Every single one of us could cry out to God at the same time, and he can handle every situation easily, easily. If it's small enough to worry about, it's small enough to pray about. Come on, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Those who don't know the Lord. Friends, that makes sense. They don't know the Lord. They're just on their own. So they worry and get stressed out about all kinds of stuff. But Jesus commands us, his kids, he says, don't worry. Don't worry. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Jesus is, is saying, chill out, relax. Come on, I got this. You don't need to worry. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, chill out. Chill out, come on, chill out. All right, so pray, pray. We pray for provision. Now, having said that, I know that, you know, there's things, all of us at different times, we worry about things, but we need to be reminded to not worry. And uh, as we head into this new school year, some of, some of you guys have already started. You know, that if you're a parent, or a teacher or an educator, or student, that, that causes a little bit of worry. So I wanna pray for you right now. I wanna pray for you real briefly. If you are an educator, you're in education, or you are a student, we have a lot of young people, stand to your feet right now, and I wanna pray for you. Come on, stand up real quick. If you're a student, even if you're a college student, any kind of student, or you're an educator, stand up. Friends, stretch your hands out towards somebody, lay hands on them, if you would, in an appropriate place, come on. And uh, let me pray. Father, I just pray right now, first of all, for the students, Young men, young woman, Lord, studying. God, I pray your, your blessing, your favor, your protection upon them this year. God, I pray that they would be light on their school campuses. Father, I pray that you would help them in their studies, help them to flourish as they do their part, studying, paying attention in class, doing their homework. God, honor them. Bless their hard work. You always bless and honor hard work. Father, I pray that they wouldn't turn aside to the right or to the left, but they would be men and women 
who live for you, who live for you. The greatest mission field, I believe, is junior high and high schools. God, let them, let them live for you. Lord, those that are higher education, help them to finish their learning to excel. God, I pray for educators in here, many of whom are already back at work. Lord, I, I can't think of a tougher season probably to do that job. Lord, may your favor be upon them as they teach students of whatever age, with their coworkers, with their administrators. God, I pray that you would take away any fear, any worry. Let your peace come upon them in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that they would re be reminded that you are with them, that you are with them as they step foot on their campus. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is there with them. You're using them, God. May they have an incredible year. May you exceed their expectations in every way. Father, may you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, number five is this. Number five, the fifth prayer principle that Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer is forgiveness. And this one, so important. Forgiveness, get your heart right with God and with people. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. When we think about forgiveness, I think a good visual to get in our minds is the cross. Because friends, it is the cross that has provided forgiveness for your sins and for my sins. Blood of Jesus that was shed on that precious cross. You know that there is more power in one drop of Jesus' blood that he shed 2,000 years ago than there is in all of the sin committed of all of humanity for all time. What can wash away my sins, as the old hymn says, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it is the means of forgiveness for you and for me. The cross is the bridge, friends, between you and God. It's a means that we can walk in relationship with him. We can be restored, we can be reconciled, we can receive everything that God has intended for us. It's all through the cross. Somebody say amen. amen. And I think that, that vertical beam on the cross is a good representation of getting, getting right before the Lord, having a right relationship with God, confessing our sin, and then that horizontal beam is a good reminder that I need to forgive other people. And Jesus talks about both of those things in that prayer. We ought to keep short accounts with God. You ought to, we ought to go to God daily and say, Lord, show me where I've messed up. Show me where I've sinned against you. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you pray that prayer, Lord, show me. Show me where I've sinned, where I've fallen short. God will speak to you. I promise you he'll speak to you. He'll tell you things like, you know, this morning, the way that you treated your coworker, your attitude was not good. You need, to, you need to knock that off. You can do better. When you came home after a long day at work, you weren't very kind or loving, gracious towards your spouse. Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to change. Oh, and, and by the way, when you were driving on the freeway and that guy cut you off, I heard what you said. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you need to get better than that. But that's, I'm serious, that's how God speaks to us, isn't it? Lord, I'm sorry. Listen, if you wanna be a man or woman of God, you need to be a man or woman of repentance. You need, you need to learn to confess your sin quickly to the Lord. Turn from it, that's what repentance is. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, help me to change. First John says, says this, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So not only, friends, do we ask the Lord to forgive us, but we must also forgive others. In fact, the simple but hard truth is this, 
Our forgiveness is contingent upon forgiving others. I wanna say that again. Your forgiveness before the Lord is contingent upon you forgiving other people. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, we read it last week. Listen, this is so important. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. There are several things that Jesus says that ought to shake us to our core, and this is one of them. Jesus says, if you don't forgive other people, you will not be forgiven. Man, that is, wow. Listen, let me say it a different way. Unforgiveness is not in God's nature, so it ought not to be in yours. If you're a son of God, if you're a daughter of God, if you're a child of God, listen, when you receive Christ in your life, the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you, starts to change you and make you into a better man and a better woman. God is making you into his nature and there is no unforgiveness in God, so there ought not to be in our hearts. What is in God's heart? Mercy, grace, kindness, love, and forgiveness. And I know that this is, I know this is a major topic for many of us. I know some of you are thinking right now, easy for you to say, you have no idea what I've went through in my life. You don't, know what, you don't know what that man did to me. You don't know what she did to me. Easy for you to say, they don't deserve forgiveness. Friends, <clears throat> forgiveness have, has nothing to do whether or not it's deserved. You and I don't deserve forgiveness and God chooses to forgive us. And listen, if you know the Lord, God can help you overcome anything and everything. And he can help you forgive people. There's a incredible Christian woman named Corey Tin Boom. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. Some of you ought, ought to read it. Christian lady was placed in the Nazi concentration camps and you know history. I don't need to explain all the atrocities and horrors and everything that she experienced at the hands in, in that kind of environment, the hands of those, those people. And she lost her own sister, Betsy. She lost her father in the concentration camps. When she was released, because she got out, she preached all over the world about God's love and forgiveness. She said some incredible things. Listen to what she said. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. <sighs> Unforgiveness not only hinders our prayers, but it hinders us from the fruitful, fulfilling, and abundant life that God has for us. In fact, one of the keys to healing, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, one of the keys is actually repenting and turning from your own sin and forgiving other people. That's, that's what scripture teaches. In fact, not every time, but there are some of us here today listening online, and we have not received healing, emotional, physical, mental, whatever kind of healing, because we haven't got past this point. We haven't understood this. We haven't turned from our sin, and we haven't forgiven other people. So in prayer, friends, we choose to forgive others. It's a choice. And as we do, we experience God's freedom. 
we experience God's peace. We, ex we experience God's mercy. There's, there's somebody in here right now. I don't even need a word of knowledge to know this. There's somebody in here right now, and there is hatred and bitterness in your heart towards, towards an ex-spouse of yours, and it is robbing you of your joy and your peace in your life. It's like, a, it's like a cloud that is hanging over you. It's actually like shackles that you're chained to. And friends, if you would just release them and forgive them and move on, God can come in and heal you and change you. In fact, close your eyes right now, everybody. Close your eyes. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, you would speak to our hearts and just show us if there's any person or people in our lives that we have not forgiven I wanna, if you want to, I, I can't force you, it's a choice, but if you want to forgive them, I wanna lead you right now in a prayer. And so you, you don't need to say this out loud, just but in your heart, you can agree and say this after me. Lord, I forgive, and you can fill in their name. I release any and all bitterness, hatred, and anger that I have towards them. Heal me in every way. Break these chains and set me free. Let me live in your peace, in your joy, in your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Number six is this, the sixth principle is advance. Receive God's help to overcome challenges as you grow in him. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. By the way, God's word is, is very clear that God does not and cannot tempt us. James 1.13 tells us that, but God helps us overcome any and every temptation that we face. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There's a difference between temptation, which is clearly from the, from the enemy, it's from the devil. Temptation is always trying to pull you away from God. It's trying to break you. Testing, which God does allow sometimes, is trying to make you. Testing is, is God using that to draw you closer to him. But they're two totally different things. And God does not tempt us, but sometimes he does allow us to go through tests to build character in us. But part of advancing in, in, in our walk with God, moving forward, growing in our relationship with him, is defeating and overcoming every attack of the enemy. And so we ought to pray for protection in our lives. That's Psalms 91. We also ought to pray for God's power in our life to stand in the victory that Jesus has given us, which is what Ephesians chapter six is all about, putting on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. It says stand in faith, stand steadfast against every attack of the enemy. Put on the full armor of God. And then it says praying with all prayer and supplication. Friends, part of prayer is you need to advance. You need to press on. You need to move forward. You need to defeat every obstacle by God's grace in Jesus' name. And you can and you will. It is growing in maturity. It is growing in warfare. That is all part of it. Number seven, here's the last point is this. The last prayer principle is surrender. Surrender, say surrender. Surrender, trusting in God's ability. Matthew six closes the prayer by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, surrender. The ultimate example of, is Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane, saying, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jack Hayford says, prayer may be filled with faith, uttered with boldness, offered in obedience, 
and overflowing with praise and confidence, but after all is said, it's still up to him. It's still up to him. Friends, sometimes we pray, we believe, we trust God, we do everything that we know how to do, and sometimes things don't happen the way that we want them to. God doesn't always answer the prayers, our prayers the way that we want them to, but guess what, he's God and you're not. He's sovereign and you're not, friends. A few months ago, man, we prayed, we did everything we knew how to do, asking the Lord to heal my dad, Pastor Bob. And I don't know why, but God didn't answer prayers the way that we wanted him to. My dad gradu graduated to heaven. Isaiah 55 says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that his ways are different than our ways. And I've made a commitment in my heart that even though I don't understand everything that God does, I surely I can't comprehend all that he does, that no matter what, I will still trust him. I will still trust him. Why? Because I know God. I know him. I know. I've experienced. I've tasted and seen for myself that the Lord is good, that his mercy endures forever, that his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my, my life. I know his love. I know his faithfulness. I know his forgiveness. And friends, we live in a broken, sinful world, and things don't always go the way that we want them to. That's exactly why we need to pray. And we need to trust God in prayer. When we get to heaven, there's no more of that. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sickness, Revelation 21 tells us. But until we get there, we're just passing along through this world, the Bible says. And so we fight and we stand in prayer and we surrender to the Lord. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, when he's teaching at the end, after the Lord's Prayer, and he teaches about that funny story about the man asking for his friend at midnight, open up the door, I need some bread. The word he uses in verse eight is persistence. But an actual, more accurate translation for the heart of the text is a word that we never use anymore, importunity, old King James says. That word means shameless boldness. In prayer, you need to have a shameless boldness. Coming to God, knowing who he is, that, that your heavenly father wants to bless you, he wants to provide for you, and that you need, to, you need to pray big prayers, you need to ask bold prayers before the Lord. There's nothing too big that you can't bring to God in prayer and come with a shameless boldness. Listen, if you're a, a, a mom or a dad or a grandparent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your kids and grandkids, you got Christmas coming up, they know exactly what importunity is. They're gonna ask you with shameless boldness for things. Mom, dad, I want the new iPhone 23 or whatever version's out, right? It's like, you're like four years old, you don't need an iPhone. They don't care, shameless boldness. Dad, I want a car. Like, why do you need a car? You're eight years old, you can't even drive yet. I mean, they ask big, kids ask big. And Jesus is teaching us in this story, he's saying the Father is on your side, he's available anytime, in every circumstance, and listen, boldness is your privilege. It's our job to ask boldly, it's God's commitment to give generously. Push! Pray until something happens. Don't pray. Stop praying wimpy, sissy prayers. 
Honestly, some of us approach, I'm, I'm trying to build something into us. Because I know some of us pray prayers and it's just wishful thinking. I just hope you know, maybe God's listening to this, I don't know. I haven't seen him move in my life. Lord, you know, bless him or whatever I'm supposed to say. There's a shameless boldness, importunity. God, you gotta come here and now. You gotta move in this situation. I don't know what to do. I'm, my back is up against the wall. God, you gotta, you gotta do something in my marriage. You gotta do something in me. Shameless boldness. Jesus says, ask and keep on asking. In the Greek language, it's present tense. It's not one time like I ask once and then I just hope it works. Ask and keep on asking. The Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. Some of us don't receive in prayer because we don't even take the first step to ask. Jesus says, seek and keep on seeking. He said in Matthew chapter six, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God, live righteously, and then God will give you everything that you need. And then knock, keep on knocking. Some of us knock once, no answer, we're done. I guess, guess, guess God's not home. Knock and keep on knocking. Strike the obstacle that is in your way. This friend comes, he's knocking on the door. I guarantee you, it's midnight. This guy's in bed asleep with his kids in bed. I don't know why he had his kids in bed with him, but he's asleep in his bed. This guy's knocking on the door as loud as he can, banging, I don't know how many times, striking that obstacle, striking that door again and again and again until the door opens. Friends, knock and keep on knocking. Pray and keep on praying. Push, pray, until something happens, invade the impossible. Friends, God is moving in our church as we seek him in prayer and fasting. My little nephew, Drayson, five years old, I asked you to pray for him last week. Five years old, battling leukemia for two years now. And uh, last week, Saturday morning, actually Friday, but his fever went up to 104.5. My sister, Shannon, took him into the hospital Doctors admitted him. He didn't look good. I saw a picture. He didn't, he didn't look good. Monday, they ran tests. By Tuesday, Shannon says he's, he's feeling better. She was sending us videos. He looked better, looked more like himself. By Wednesday, Shannon sent us a text. Listen to this. Said, there is no sign of any bacteria in his spinal fluid. Gone. And listen, she said, and there is no trace of leukemia in his body. And all of his counts are going up. Come on, somebody. He's almost at the end of his treatment. He's almost there. Boy, hundreds of people push, push, push. Man, there's nothing God can't do. Last service, guy came second time in church. He came three weeks ago when Jenny preached. And uh, his friend had sent me a text a few days before I came, said, please bring my friend, man. He's, he's been in bondage. He's been in addiction to all kinds of drugs and praying for him that he'd meet the Lord. Jenny preached this message. He, he said, his friend said he fell under such heavy conviction, never heard a message like that in his life, surrendered his life to Christ. And then I got an update from his friend, sent me a text, and he was here at the last service, said he used to smoke weed every night just to deal with his anxiety, just to go to bed. He said, since he gave his life to Christ, he has not done that one time, friends. The greatest miracle of all, come on, is salvation. Salvation, 
Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you're here today in this room or watching online and you're not in relationship with God. I'm not asking if you know about God. Everybody knows about God. I'm asking, do you know him? Are you in relationship with him? Have you made a choice to surrender your life to him? Listen, God has done everything. He's made the way. The cross is the bridge between you and him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He shed his blood to forgive you of your sins. Friends, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner who needs a savior, and you know in your heart, you don't need a preacher to tell you, you know in your heart that you're broken, you're messed up. That Bible calls that sin. And so Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, to heal us, to, to set us free, to change our lives and friends to give us abundant life right now here on earth and eternal life in heaven friends you're you will spend eternity forever either in heaven with god or in hell apart from god and hell was not created for you or for me heaven was created for us but you have to make that choice nobody can make it for you your boyfriend or girlfriend can't make it your parent can't make it you have to make a choice and say god i want you in my life i need you in my life jesus be my lord be my savior i need you some of you are ready to make that decision right now maybe you prayed a prayer but you've walked away you want to come back to the lord you're ready to do that today the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Friends, tomorrow is not promised. It is one of the most foolish, stupid things you can do. Say, oh, I'll get, I'll get serious about that Jesus stuff later. Tomorrow's not promised to you, friend. You don't know what's gonna happen. Why would you do that? Why would you waste any more time? Get right with God today. Today's the day. Today's the day. You're the person. You make the choice and God will make the change. Friends, on the count of three, if you say, John, I want to be in relationship with God. I'm making that decision for the first time, or I'm coming back to God. We call, it, we call that a radical recommitment. I want to give you that opportunity right now. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I won't call you to the, to the front, but I want to see you, and I want to agree with you. On the count of three, if that's you, if you're watching online, let our online team know. I want you to raise your hand and look at me, and then I'm going to lead all of us. Hands are already up. You guys aren't even waiting. That's fine. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Two young, two little guys right there. Keep your hands up. I see you guys, three of them. Awesome. I see you, ma'am, in the back right there. Four hands. Anybody else? I see you right there. Five. I see you. Six. I see you over there, young man. Seven. Anybody else? Anybody else here today? Is that a young lady right there? Young. Yeah, there you go. I see your hand. Eight. Keep your hand up if you didn't think I saw you. I see you, see you over there. So good. Young guy over there. Kids, some of the kids with their parents. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to lead all of us in a prayer of salvation. This is a confession of faith. It's the first step, not your last. It's your first step in following Jesus. Church, would you pray this prayer? Let's pray this loudly. Let's pray this boldly. Would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I declare that heaven is my home and I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that together? Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. 
For more information about the cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.